0: It's almost like the opposite of it's it's almost like the opposite of um uh I think it's a Moroccan team, right? Who the manager really sort of just trusted the youth and went with it. Yeah, I think it it, it was it was uh the Moroccan team who you know left out um the manager left out Hakim Ziyech because the 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 the, the, the story we're told is bad behavior, but um you know it's 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 interesting to see how managers are approaching this and some playing younger players, some, you know, um Trusting the experience because at, at at a world tournament at a big game you want the experience but youngsters aren't going to learn if they're not played so
1: well that's, uh and i think and i think that at some point well it, it that isn't always the tricky thing that most of these international managers have is managing the uh the the transition or the handover from yeah. the older players who have been really good for you for about between like 6 and 8 years or 5 and three and five years, however long the period is. Mm. And then on to the younger group, I think obviously Germany had that issues under Joachim Lowe. Spain had that with Del Bosque. You had France have had that bit with Deschamps. But that transition from the players have been there, done it, won it, and then trying to pass the torch to the next set of players. And I think that that's one of the issues that Algeria have. And I think that if they draw maybe a week, maybe if they draw in, I don't know, like DR Congo, for example, they'd have a better Mm -hmm. chance of getting through. Or Tunisia. Mm. I think there'll better chance, but I think with camp the way Cameroon are looking at the uh, the Afcon at the moment and the team that they've got, I think yeah, I think Algeria probably going to fall short.
0: yeah I also back Cameroon's chances, and I just hope that this rest of the tournament and maybe the qualifiers is a bit of a redemption story for Andre Onana. Yes, yeah. I've 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 felt for him greatly. Um, so for those uninformed, um, uh, and and this is this is obviously coming from Onana's camp, but he seems like an honest guy. So I I'm I'm leaning on believing his side of the story is that he took a diuretic from his wife um a diuretic, pretty harmless but um unbeknownst to him it was a banned substance and punishment he got i believe was one year out of action and at for, for a keeper of his age the form he was yeah. in you know it was tipped to go to barcelona it's 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 an absolute you know shock back down to earth and He's looked a little rusty these Af these yeah, Afcon yeah, games. I can't lie, but um, he's still a great goalkeeper, and I feel like this might be his redemption story. Definitely. But uh, going on from Cameroon to Algeria, we have. Um, uh, I I would say I would say the uh, the clash between the two most storied African World Cup performers. It's the Black Stars, Ghana, versus Nigeria. Yeah. Now this they they were better teams. They were better teams once upon a time, Daniel. But who? Uh, <laughs> Who do, who, who do you feel better about? Because um, Nigeria, it 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 it's a little baffling how they've performed at this AFCON, given most of their team is a, you know, Premier League starting caliber players.
1: Yeah, it's, they um, did a funny one at the AFCON. They won the first three games, looked great in the group, got through to the next round and had put an absolutely dreadful performance against a pretty poor Tunisian side. It was only a 1-0 defeat for them, but that 1-0, that was it. They were out of the tournament after... Um, the goalkeeper Maduka Okoye made a horrible mistake, a long range shot from uh, in, in Sackney, the mm. Tunisian attacker. But I think that Nigeria, as you said, Premier League quality players all over the place. They got the problem with Nigeria is they're a bit top heavy. They have got <laughs> bundles of wide players and strikers of a high, high level. But then you start looking in at central midfield and you see Indidi and Aribo and Onyeka. After that, there's not much else. And even those players are not necessarily the type of midfielders that Nigeria need. They need a, a controller, somebody who can control the tempo of more creative option. I know Orib- Aribo can create, but he's more of a creator through his dribbling rather than his passing. And um, you've also got centre-backs, a big problem for Nigeria. Tuesday De Kong, I'm not a fan of him at all. And Balogun's past his best now. He was, he's not even at the tour because he was injured, but you can't be playing guys like Balogun and Ekong together and expect to have that much of a success, I think, against good good teams. And I think the
0: that- like it's like when Leicester, after the Premier League winning season, they thought again that Robert Huth and Wes Morgan would lead them to the promised land again. But
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was a one season wonder. It kind of feels like that sometimes
0: when I'm watching Nigeria, it's like, oh god, oh god, oh god, whose knee's gonna snap first? Yeah, but yeah, you're very right about being top heavy and I guess for Nigeria, it's um, is looking on football the worst cesspool to gauge opinions. I must say, but yes, <laughs> some interesting you know takes on there saying you know when they see like a winger you know cutting inside and making a dribbling run. It sort of satiates this, um, you know, this uh, rubric in the in the hearts of the Nigerian fans. Like, this is what we want to see. This is yes. this is, this is why we love the team. It's like Whoa. beyond that, you know, what's really going to happen? I mean, Iwobi got himself sent off that's it, yeah. as well during the. Kings, it's just yeah,
1: yeah, as you said that thing about um, the way Nigerian wingers play. I read something on Twitter about that. How they all they're all very similar, and I, I I do agree they're all very good dribblers. But that's about it. They don't really have a diverse set of wingers in terms of how they play. In terms of you don't have to mm-hmm. necessarily wingers who are more goal scorers or wingers who mm-hmm. will go down the well are more direct. I suppose in their dribbling, a lot of them are all usually playing on the wrong side compared to what footed they are. So a left footed player playing on the right wing or a right footed player playing on the left wing, so they can cut inside and kind of shoot. That's kind of how mm-hmm. they have it. They don't really have that maybe those different profiles of midfield uh, wingers, which you may need against the, the the different type of teams that you're going to play. Doesn't so the tactical flexibility maybe is a bit limited there. But I think that, yeah, I really think also a team like Nigeria, with their, Nigeria's got such a big population, and they, even though the Nigerian Premier League is not a top, top league, there is players there that they should also be considering for the national team, or players that play in Africa who are uh, Nigerians, guys like um, Anao Iwala. Or, uh, anyone who's a Nigerian, who falls Nigerian football will probably know who he is. He's, a, In my opinion, he's a top player. He's maybe a, an attacking midfielder, winger, striker that they could... But again, he's more creative than some of the other options that they've got. And um if you have any South African fans of this show, they'll also appreciate me mentioning a defender who they should probably put in the national team more often. He did play, he's a, he's played at Afghan, he played 20 minutes, I think, in one of the games. A guy called Alissa mm. Inda, he's centre back. He's a I think he's a very, very good prospect, uh very good passer, which is something that a call and uh Balligan, and um Ajay aren't the best at. So I think that those are a couple of options playing in Africa that they might want to consider for their the next squad, along with, before I forget, a player I've tweeted about many times, who I um think is a very good option in the midfield. As I was saying earlier, they lack a lot of depth in the midfield. And I think that a guy called Philip Azor, who plays for Nyimba
0: hmm. in
1: Nigeria, is is a good option for that position because he's a he's a nice passer.
0: Interesting. So this is, you know, this is the kind of insight that um, you no, know, it's 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 hard to find when you're uh, when you're only looking at uh, you know, the top headlines of the top dailies like this this is what we need to know. I mean, African players playing in Africa are good enough to play for the national team. You know, it it, it isn't sort of reversing my uh, you know, theory that I had before is that yes, you can probably look to, you know, some European players who could reserve you, but do that after you've found the best talent domestically or within your continent.
1: Yeah, that's yeah so that's that's a big point and something I didn't say when we were talking about dual nationals I think that what's really important is i think when you get a dual national play you should be looking at the cream of the crop not just any dual national you can find i'm in, i'm a dual national myself so i'm not i'm i'm uh, born in the UK my dad's from Cameroon, so I'm not having to go to dual nationals but I think that if you want to develop and you want to compete with the big European countries like your Germany, just Spain, France, countries like Nigeria with a massive population, they need to start focusing on Mm. the youth development. There's a reason why those European countries are successful. And the main reason is the infrastructure from the youth, the way that they have a set system in place to develop young players to come through. Nigeria doesn't have that. If you you want to focus just Mm. on dual nationals, you might have success for a year or two, but there's no long-term gain from doing that. It's the long-term vision is what you need to have. And I think that if you if those African countries invest more in the youth development programme, coaching, infrastructure, pitches, all that sort of stuff, maybe 10, 15 years' time they will have a chance of winning the World Cup. But this narrative of they have to keep looking for dual nationals all the time and not focus on developing the players that are actually in the country, it's pretty then I don't think they're ever going to be able to catch up. Because unfortunately, most of the time, the best... Dual nationals play for the country where they were born, so that's usually England, or that'll be France, or that'll be Spain, or that'll be Germany, rather than for their the country of their parents. That's true.
0: Yeah, the integration is a big factor. And coming on to you know, you you had mentioned a bit about um, they're trusting older players a bit too much. We come to their opponents, this is Ghana. Um, who are the last African team to make it to the quarterfinals? Or oh, 12 years ago, yeah, um, they're the last African team to uh, reach in, obviously uh, dramatically um, ousted by uh, pantomime villain Luis Suarez.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, that's a that's a story for another time. But um, Ghana's Ghana's performances this Afcon really don't give anybody much hope, do they? Uh, a one uh, one all draw to Gabon. A 2-3 loss to Comoros and um I believe it's a 1-0 loss to Morocco as well. Uh yeah, it doesn't make for good reading, you know. Uh it doesn't make for a good, you know, a good look at Ghana's chances going ahead. And you know, yeah. it's 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 a lineup filled with you know, people who you'd expect to do a lot better. You know, Baba Rahman, Daniel Amate, Thomas Partey, the I. U brothers, but this is this is this is yeah, the last cry is. of the Wounded wolf I feel like I really would love, I would love Ghana to go ahead further, but you know it's seeing seeing some of these players it's just been oh, a yeah. really sad
1: I think two of you Ghana, if they can get past Nigeria, yeah. I think they've got depend on who their manager is, if it's Chris shoot who who's been rumored to be the favorite, and I think he's probably likely to get the job very good very good manager he'll get them a lot more organised, defensively than they were under uh, Milo, Milo Rajavak, who was the manager who presided over the dismal AFCON campaign. If they get Chris um, Uten in, I think that they'll become a lot better defensively, and I think that they can actually, if they're able to get past Nigeria, can get to maybe, I know this may sound very hopeful, but they might be able to replicate what they did in 2010. The 2010 team was packed full of really talented young players at the time. So you had our players that, that basically between the ages of like 20 and 25, most of the, almost the big talents. You had Essien, you had Montari, you had um, Stephen Appiah, you had John Pansil, no, yeah, John Pansil, John Mensah, uh, uh, Asamoah Gian, Samoa. Asamoah. Uh, Andre Au. These were all in the team in, t- in 2010, mm-hmm. and that was a really vibrant... And a team, and really, they should have got mm-hmm. past Uruguay. They dominated that game. They should have won that match, and they should have got to the semis. It was just unfortunate they didn't. Um, and I think that the team they've got now, if you actually list off the names, there's big, big talents in there. As yeah. you said, you've got Amarty, you've got Party, you've got... Um, well, you've got uh, Idrisu Baba, you've got mm-hmm. uh, Sulemana, you've got Kudush, you've got Fatah Wu. These are...
0: And they've got, they've got a player who... Currently just has said he needs to focus on his club level, and he's he's one of my favorite Premier League players this year. And it's Salisu, um,
1: yeah, Salis, yeah, Salisu. I forgot about him. Exactly, he's another option.
0: And, and, and we, yeah, and it, it it's very clear to see that they miss someone like him. Um, it's a very interesting decision that you know, as a twenty two year old, he's people need to, people need to remember twenty two is still young. I get that in the grand scheme of football, you know, you feel old once you've passed 19. But 22 mentally is still a, you know, formative stage of development. And especially for a centre-back in a Premier League team. And he's been one of the most outstanding young players in the Premier League this season. And he basically says he needs to focus on his club career. He concluded when everything is fine at club level, he can go for the national team. And that's a very interesting way to look at it because... Obviously you don't want, you know, the hopes of the nation being lumped onto the shoulders of a twenty-two-year-old center back. That's 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 pressure that nobody, you know, below the age of twenty should have. And it, it'll be interesting if they can change his mind and get him integrated, you know, a little bit before. Because right now Ghana aren't playing any more matches. They just aren't. Um and if they can get him in, I feel like, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of player who can really make a difference to, you know, an aging
1: squad. Yeah. I, I agree. I think maybe he, <laughs> he always had a premonition or a vision that they were going to be horrendous at AFCON. They thought, I don't want to be part of this. To <laughs> so I'm not surprised the manager they brought in. Even though, the funny thing is that Milo Rajavak was the manager in 2010 when they did great. But since then, he's had like three managerial mm-hmm. jobs, of which he lasted five months or less in each. So he was just a horrendous pick. Yeah, exactly. Didn't build well. I, exactly. so I, think, I wouldn't be surprised that was the reason. If they bring in Chris Hutton as manager, someone who's Managed in the Premier League for multiple years, very well respected. He might be like, you know what? We've got a good team here. This guy can, knows what he's doing. I can come in. I can be confident that I'll be part of a good team because at the end of the day, this idea that it affects his club, football is rubbish, the tournament one month of a season is literally going to have any impact on his on whether he plays for Southampton or not. He's their best centre-back. If he leaves for one month, they're not going to be like, oh, no, sorry, you're not going to play in the team anymore. It's just not the reality. So I think that the that's... Uh, I try to think of the right word but that's like a cover story for what the actual re- what the real reason is and I think it might be to reason to the either the manager or there's other uh, political issues on that go- he's got problems with the the FA about which obviously we're not privy to. Exactly. and
0: you know coming to the final bit it's Algeria versus uh, Cameroon um is you know I I don't wait I I did have I covered that before no wait
1: yeah we talked about that so we've got two more to, two more to discuss.
0: We talked about that no, no. Um, the, we, we've talked about Egypt versus Senegal uh, Algeria versus Cameroon Ghana versus Nigeria and now we're coming to DR Congo versus Morocco the, lo- the second to last of um, uh, the qualifiers and this, this this feels a bit more straightforward I'm not sure if you have the same feeling Daniel
1: um, in terms of recent form I would say obviously the Moroccans should be massive favourites but in terms of the quality of the players it's very close the, there's not that much difference the Moroccans are obviously are a very good team They've, as the AFCON's gone on, they've kind of warmed up. They've warmed up. They're getting better and better, even though they conceded an absolutely ridiculous goal against Malawi, an unbelievable goal from uh, Gavadino Mahango. Uh, they dominated that game, and they probably should have won by more than the 2-1 scoreline. And they're looking pretty good. They've obviously got Egypt in the, in the quarterfinals, which would be very tough. I think it's a game that, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to win that. But we wouldn't put it past them beating the the, the Egyptians. Uh, and obviously they've got world-class right back he almost he almost had the playmaker in the team to be honest from a lot of the Moroccan games I watched recently almost all the attacks go down his side of the pitch he's coming in, field, he's creating things he's going down the wing he's creating things he's scoring multiple free kicks <laughs> um, which is remarkable to be honest he's got two free kicks at Afcon already two great free kicks as well um yeah it's, it's knocking
0: on the doors of Neymar and Messi your time is up your time with a dead ball
1: <laughs> yeah yes. Yeah, that's what, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's that's what he's going to be having to do because he scored more free kicks than both of them this season. So yeah, he needs to go to the front of the queue. So that that's obviously what we're talking about Kimi here, and um, mm. he's obviously he's the best player and um, he's the key man. But I think that with DR Congo, their strongest assets in their team is probably their well, their their, their strikers and their and their defence. In terms of the individual quality of the players, they've got lots of very good centre-backs. They've got four very good centre-backs. Um, in uh, Loy Ndama, Mbemba, Amali and Fasica. Two of them actually play in Africa, but uh, one in the Morocco, Amali plays in Morocco, and Fasica plays in South Africa. Uh, but yeah, they've got a very, very strong defence. And with Hector Cooper as the manager, I, I suspect that they'll adopt a very defensive formation. And I think that's going to be...
0: Yeah, and if they've got Bono and Sais at the back. I mean, that is... I mean, I was talking about Morocco, sorry. we Were talking about...
1: Yeah, yeah, Morocco. Yeah, so Morocco as well have got a very good defence. Uh, this is why I think it's going to be a close game. Both teams, very, very solid defensively. I think Morocco, the big issue is left-back. M- Messina, Adam Messina, it's not great, to be honest. He's had a pretty poor AFCON, and I don't know. They've not got many other options that left-back. That's definitely a position where they're going to have to think about what they're going to do, because that could be a problem for them, especially if, mm-hmm. if DR Congo can get Silas. You know, yeah. Silas and Vumpa. If they can get him in the team and on that right side, I think that that's going to be an area where DRC can have a lot of joy if they play a very defensive kind of counter attacking uh, formation. Yeah.
0: And then, yeah, and then that comes to the final qualifier, which is Mali v Tunisia. Uh, And that's, um, uh, I feel like it's in a similar vein of DR Congo versus Morocco, but uh, Daniel, Who's, who, who's going to who's gonna come out on top in this contest? Uh,
1: so I think, again, with every AFCON, uh, sorry, with every uh, World Cup qualifier like this, I think, as I said, everyone's going to be tight. The Malians have the better team, they pretty comfortably beat the Tunisians of the, in the first game of their AFCON tournaments for both sides. They're both in the same group. But as things turned out, Mali, who were one of my favourites to win the tournament, had a really disappointing performance against Equatorial Guinea, but lost, whereas Tunisia beat Nigeria, and obviously they're through to the, World finals. I think, again, it's going to be a close, close game. I expect it to be a game where Tunisia are very defensive and uh, just try to get try to grind out and, and they'll nail away and then come back to Tunis if that's where the home game's played and try and maybe nick a 1-0 win something like that. I can see that's how it'll unfold. Mali have a much better team, better players in almost every position, but I think that it's going to be a game where the Tunisians will, might just be able to I think Mali should be able to get through based on the quality, but on the actual reality and how Mali are as a footballing country mm-hmm. or footballing team in the sense that they always oh. fly to the sea. You think they're going to do something great just like at this AFCON and then they flopped. So I think that could this could be the issue here where they're underachieved and the Tunisians do better than what you expect just like they've done at this AFCON. So I think there might be a game, might be a tie where Tunisia sneak through.
0: Well, this has been a rousing talk and, uh, and just to close things here, I'm going to press you. Who is winning AFCON? I'm really going to press D on this.
1: Um, I, think, I think. Well, my favourite is before the two of start with Mali. They're out, so now my second favourite is because I thought that Mali would beat Cameroon in the final. I'll go with Cameroon, and I think that can Yeah, I think Cameroon. Will- <laughs> yeah, yeah, got to so go for the home country. They're playing at home. That's where my dad's from, so I've got to back them. Got to back them, and I think, and I think that they'll play Egypt in the final, but we'll see.
0: Ah host of the home country. <laughs> All right. Definitely welcome back. All right. That's uh that's been <laughs> that that is quite quite the call, but um, you know, it's it's probably the safer bet as well. Uh well thank you so much, uh Daniel, for um giving us your insight. I think it's, I think we're not done talking about Africa. I think there is a lot more to uncover and hopefully you know down the line we'll have you on again. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it, it's time for, uh, everyone to pay attention, uh, to Africa. Um, you know, this is, this is going to be a big World Cup for them because for the first time since, I believe, the early 80s, the last World Cup didn't have a single African team coming out of the group stage. Let's hope that changes. Um, because the more, the more nations uh, in the knockouts from, um, you know, a variety of continents, the better. That's what makes this game beautiful exactly so from um me uh and uh daniel uh that is a goodbye and hope to see you in episode two thank you for listening hope you listen more